Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, editor Maduni Krishnan. I'm joined again this week by my friend and colleague, senior airline reporter Edward Ned Russell, as we discuss the crazy situation at Newark Liberty Airport and the availability of spare parts for A220s as Airbus ramps up its production rate. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey there, Ned. How are you? I'm good, Madhu. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I flew through Newark on Saturday, um, which was an experience that we will discuss offline, and I don't. I'm not going to discuss on this podcast. But I do want to talk to you about Newark because you wrote a story today on Wednesday, May fourth. I'm not going to make that Star Wars joke, but on Wednesday, May the fourth be with you. No, you went. You did it. No. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, listeners, for screaming in your ear, but um, I, I just hate that joke. It drives me a little batty. Kind um, of like he hates Newark Airport, but that's that's and that's where we're going with this. I did not say that. Let the record show. I did not say that on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, but anyway. I notice <laughs> listeners that he's not denying it. <laughs> I am not denying it. <laughs> um, however, uh, let's talk about Newark Airport uh, on on May the fourth. Uh, you, so if, what's going if on? What, yeah. So listeners, if you've been paying attention to the situation, United Airlines over the past few weeks has made some pretty strong statements where they have blamed their poor uh, schedule reliability at Newark on JetBlue and Spirit. And the FAA. Uh, and the FAA, particularly the FAA's allowing them to what they claim is fly more flights than are allowed during peak hours. So Newark is not a slot-controlled airport. It is a schedule-facilitated airport, Mm -hmm. which means that airlines submit their schedules to the FAA, and then in an ideal world, the FAA works with everyone, and they smooth it out to a maximum of 79 operations an hour. That is not the case in the real world. Uh, Looking at serum schedules um, this week, it's a couple-hour periods that we're operating 82 or 83 flights. Anyway, United is blaming their operations, their issues there on on these two much smaller carriers, and particularly the FAA. And I had the chance to speak with John Kirby, the vice president of network planning at Spirit Airlines, and he he had a response for United. Which was? Which was that United is uh, taking some liberties with blaming for blaming Spirit for their delays. And he made the very good point that you know, Spirit operates less than 2% of the flights at Newark and United more than 70%. And that, you know, it takes, you know, he didn't say this, but I, you know, essentially it takes a village to have a well-run airport and not just one or two carriers that operate a minimum of flights. So, you know, he, he's basically, they're, they're fighting back against these claims that they're causing United's disruptions and, at Newark. And let's, you know, it's worth stopping here for a second and, and saying what those claims are. Now, Scott Kirby, the CEO of United, in, very, in no uncertain terms, said, uh, you know, he called what the FAA is, allow- he said, what the FAA is allowing to happen is brazen. Which, you Brazenly, know, is, yes. Bra- yeah. yeah. So that, that, those are some stern words. But, and, um, he he thinks that you know Spirit and JetBlue in particular, and name them by name, are um, are taking liberties at Liberty. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> that is a Newark joke. It's Newark Liberty International Airport for those of you not, who are not aware. Um, yeah, no. So and they it it really is you know it's hard to 
really defending United's position when they are such a dominant carrier yeah. at Newark. Um, I mean, the numbers I, don't lie. You were saying, what, 72% of 72%, some slots? Yeah. Some and time during slots? these peak times, right. during these peak times, um, one of the, the, the 4 p.m. hour block is scheduled 82 flights to operations. And United's operating 72% of those flights. JetBlue is operating 6 right. and Spirit 1%. So it's it's really hard to make the case that Spirit should cancel their one flight and JetBlue should cancel two of their four flights to get to that 79 cap when United has, I forget the hard number, but you know 40 or 50 flights that they yeah. could you know pull a couple out. Oh, it's um, it's an interesting. Case. And the thing is, is Spirit has already won in court on this matter. They yeah. You know, and now I have to back up. When United and Continental merged in 2010, you, they divested 16 then slot pairs to Southwest Airlines to operate at Newark, and those were turned into runway timings during mm -hmm. these peak hours in 2016 when slots were removed. Then Southwest stopped flying to Newark in 2019. At the time, the FAA went to retire those timings, uh, which was a move supported by United, and Spirit sued, and they won. They won last year in 2021, and now they're seeking those 16 uh, runway timings. Uh, it's a blind auction, blind award, however you want to describe it. So Spirit doesn't know who else applied, but they confirmed that they have applied. And uh, we're expecting a response from the DOT any day. It's been two months. Right. And, and you know, the, the, the stark numbers are really something. I mean, you 72% of operations at a peak hour and um, and wanting the 16 slot, then slots, now runway timings, retired. I mean, that that is... Uh, that is behavior that in other industries would be called anti-competitive, right? I mean, that that's squashing. Um, and squashing. that's in no uncertain terms. That's what Spirit, that's what John Kirby at Spirit said, that United is trying to stop competition is what yeah. they're trying to do. And, that, and that's a story as old as airports, really, or as old as the hub and spoke system. I mean, one of the things... Um, one of the main complaints that smaller carriers have had in the U.S. and, and even worldwide is access to desirable airports like Newark, like uh, Washington National, um, Heathrow. Absolutely. It, yeah, we go to Europe. It's the same story over there. And, you know, a lot of European carriers we've talked about in the past, EasyJet, Ryanair, Wizzair are, are picking up slots at some of these constrained airports, Heathrow, Schiphol, Orly, mm -hmm. through uh, the relief packages right. the legacy airlines have received because the governments are like, well, if you're going to get billions of dollars in funds for us, you have to give up some slots. Right. But and it's, that, it's typically... And, that, yeah. and I just want to interrupt you, Dad. I mean, that you said it right there, relief package, right? Like whatever airlines merge um, and, and when they have a presence at one of these airports, they are usually ordered by their regulators to to uh, offer relief, so so to promote com competition at these places. And that's, you know, that th it's inherent in the word, relief, right? Like, so there, it's, you know, the, the fact that a large player, in this case United, is trying to claw back some of that relief that it had to do in 2000, you know, had to offer in 2010. And, Claw some of that back, and then you know complain about their own operations being delayed because they because of two percent or six percent of the slot of uh, the operations during any during peak hour. It's just it's something else. I mean, it's really hard to see how United has a leg to stand on. 
I mean, it, it is. The truth is, though, is the FAA listened to them or at least decided to retire those runway timings until I, you know, I can't say listen to them. The FAA made their independent decision to retire the runway timings in 2019 before Spirit sued. But you're right. It's and it's hard to see how it would have a, 16 runway timings will have a material impact on United's business when they will still have around 70% of all the flights in and out of Newark. One one thing that I'd like to point out too is, is Newark is actually not back to full capacity yet. International uh, slots and runway timings are still waived. You, mm -hmm. there's usage is still waived under COVID conditions. The DOT has extended that through the summer schedule until October. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're, we're having this fight now and we're not even at peak Newark yet. Right. Yeah, that is that is fascinating. And it's one I mean, it's it's very airport specific, but it's one, you know, you have to wonder, like, how smaller carriers are going to fight um, for access. It's it's just it's it's an interesting story. And it's a story that we see playing out again and again. You know, mm -hmm. it, that's something that we saw in the, you know, when Spirit Airlines announced they were going to they Picked Frontier over JetBlue, which happened earlier this week. Right, and you know they did that even though JetBlue promised to divest slots and gates at in Boston, New York, and even Fort Lauderdale, which isn't a constrained airport as a condition. Speaking of that relief that we're talking about, mm -hmm. so you know these are really it's it's this is constantly this is just the way things move, and it's it's interesting seeing the end. The way they shift. So um, I'm not sure what the next step is, though. It seems that this may be more of a public fight that United yeah. has brought than anything, because the DOT is moving forward with awarding those 16 flight timings. You know, things are moving that direction. So it's 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 curious what they're hoping to achieve with this. Well, it's interesting, Ned, because Scott Kirby did not make those comments during the analyst portion of the earnings call. He made it during the media portion. So he wanted he you know it's clear that this is as you said it's a public relations move right like he the United is getting its side of the story with a great quote like brazen out in in the press and not really something they that they thought had to be raised with the analysts right absolutely it's definitely being fought in the um in the the arena of public opinion, that's for sure. You know, JetBlue, for for its uh, part, also a spokesperson confirmed that they also feel that United's comments are to you know stop low cost competition, low fare mm -hmm. competition. You know, they're not as extensive as Spirits, but they they take the same same um, path as Spirit is. And though JetBlue has cut their flights at Newark recently due to separate staffing issues, right. and you know. I'd also like to say Newark is perennially a delay-prone airport. It, DOT stats show it at least five of the past 10 years, it has had the worst on-time performance at any airport in the U.S. I'm um, keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> so delays at Newark aren't new, right. whether or not Spirit's flying a couple extra flights or not. Anyway. No, absolutely. So, Ned, this is a good place to take a little break. Let's, uh, let's pause right now, and we'll be back. And we're back. Hey, Ned. <laughs> hey, Madhu. So today you got the chance to listen to Airbus's earnings uh, out of Europe. You know, tell us a little bit about what you heard there. Well, I mean, the the Toulouse-based airframer is going from strength to strength. I mean, as Boeing sort of chases its tail and is and 
that that's unfair. Not to say Boeing is chasing its tail, but as Boeing has multiple aircraft programs under regulatory review and it's unable to, you know, it was questioning whether it could deliver the 500 aircraft it promised to do at the end of last year. Um, meanwhile, Airbus says it can deliver 700 plus, air, 720 aircraft this year. And the orders keep pouring in for the A320 family. And that's wow. the news, Ned. I mean, the orders keep pouring in. We knew that. But Airbus is actually upping its production targets. Interesting. So they won't have that te- decade-long backlog anymore if they up production, I'm guessing. Well, they have at current production rates, they have 11 years of backlog. Um, with the planned, they're planning to raise it to 65 aircraft, A320 family aircraft per month by next year, which we knew. The news is they're planning to go even further and raise it to 75 aircraft per month by 2025. That's that's huge. That's wow. a that's quite a significant increase. But the company is pretty confident it can um, it can do it. Now, what what gives them confidence about that, considering all the what we're hearing about spare parts, uh, supply chain issues? You know, Stephen Udvarhazi told me in, in March that he really doubt he they're already facing delays to some of their individual Airbus aircraft um, and cited the supply chain shortage. You know, did they comment on that at all? Well, you know, Guillaume Fowry, the uh, CEO of Airbus, is pretty confident that they've done the work with their suppliers to to meet these targets and the the that the. the Increases are far enough out, you know, 2025 is three years from now, that the suppliers will get there. The concern was, you know, about a year ago when all the suppliers had downsized their workforces during COVID, that uh, the concern was more acute then that they would not be able to ramp up hiring in a tight labor market. And it seems like, at least for the near term, they have been able to. Now, how this tight labor market plays out, like, you know, there are a lot of unknowns, but there are, you know, there are concerns in the analyst community that Airbus will actually make the 75 um, aircraft per month target. Interesting. And then we've also heard a bit about spare parts being a problem for some Airbus operators. Yeah. So this this was a really interesting story this week, Ned. And and um, that is that Air Baltic, one of our favorite airlines, just because why not? Even though they don't have, really have a spokes animal. Although Martin Gauss and I once got talking about squirrels. That's no lie. <laughs> Apparently, there's some protected squirrel in Germany that he was uh, he was a little concerned about. The and Air asked, Baltic spoke spoke squirrel coming no, in the was, future. No? He was talking about some protected squirrel in uh, okay. in Germany that had a very small um, small footprint. He was using to illustrate a very a larger point on um, environmental sustainability goals. And I, my question, of course, and I did ask this on the record, was: uh, Is the squirrel cute? Ha, ha. Now, if any listeners would like to recommend spokes critters for Air Baltic, please email us, madu at mu at skiff.com and, and myself at er at skiff.com. But I digress. We, the, we've, hey, hey, you're not the only one guilty of digressing. Sorry, listeners. I do like a squirrel. Um, the the interesting thing is Air Baltic is, uh, you know, it's an a, a Airbus A220 operator. It has about 32 of them. And, um, and to be record, they went that way during the pandemic. They were able to accelerate their fleet plans. They yeah. retired their last 737 and they're, yeah, all A220. Well, they're getting a 737 again. <laughs> right? What? <Yeah>. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Temporarily. Um, so Air Baltic is wet leasing a Ukrainian Ukrainian international airline um, 737 from um, 
from <laughs> Ukraine, obviously. That carrier UIA has, uh, you know, suspended operations since February 25th, when the day after Russia invaded, and evacuated much of its crew and its aircraft outside of the country. So they're safe. They're not. They've not met the fate. Their aircraft did not met the fate of the AN-225, which we all mourn. Um, that is the the world's largest aircraft that was destroyed in shelling. Um, but, yeah. you know, about a month ago, UIA started soliciting offers for wet leasing be- to keep their crew current and to bring in some much needed currency because they, you know, the airline's grounded. And Air Baltic stepped up. Air Baltic will be wet leasing a 737 this summer with four flight crews of about 28 employees that will be operating out of Riga um, in Lat- Latvia, Air Baltic space. Interesting. And I would like to say that it, I, I mean, on my own conversation with Martin Gauss, he, he strikes me as, you know, they're very supportive of the Ukrainian cause. You know, he talked about Air Baltic supporting the country as it reopens. Um, and this strikes me as one way that they can help support Ukraine through through this terrible war. Yeah. And, you know, the airline. Right. It's important to remember, I mean, Latvia, Luthi- Lithuania and Estonia were once Soviet socialist republics and have a long memory of Russian aggression. Won their independence in 90, I think, 91 when the Soviet Union collapsed or might have been slightly before were agitating for their independence, at least before 91, and um, have a lot of sympathy for their fellow former Soviet republics. And there, there's more, seems to be more to this than just needing the lift, because um, Air Baltic, as we know, has has not, I believe, has not actually activated its entire fleet after the pandemic. And so, um, because I thought they were wet leasing some of their own aircraft out yes, to some other airlines are. this summer. So they are. So there's more to this than just uh, than I think just needing lift. But the other reason Air Baltic is wet leasing this is that some of their 220s, the ones they plan to use, are in the shop, <laughs> and that's where the question about Airbus meeting its targets comes into play and why this all ties together and the reason air baltic gave for its aircraft being sidelined is that they can't find spare parts interesting and so we go full circle from airbus uh production increases to supply chain to uh, air baltic spokes critter and (laughs) back to airbus parts yeah Um, it's it's interesting i mean the spare parts thing is really interesting because it's not just the suppliers it's also um shipping you know, we've been, we've talked a bit about shipping on this podcast, and um, you know how great air freight is. But maritime shipping is snarled. Large ports, large parts of China, manufacturing cities in China are shut down for COVID. And do we know if Shanghai's port is closed? Isn't that the busiest port in China? I don't know if it, I don't know if it closed, but the lockdown, I I don't. But I don't do I don't remember if it's closed. Shenzhen was closed for a while, but I'm not sure if Shanghai is closed. But a lot of companies around Shanghai right. are not operating, right? Because right. their employees are locked down. So, so basically the supply chain situation is not about to get any better anytime no. soon. No. And, and so, we can see that in the inflation people are seeing for consumer goods and all over the world. So. Now, I mean, I have to dig a little bit. We have to dig a little bit more into this, but Airbus says it can make make its targets, but maybe some of the other the parts manufacturers, maybe, you know, the resources at, at OEMs are shifting towards providing parts for the, this, this ramp up and not for spares. So, um, you know, there's a lot, lot to the story and you know and i do um, wonder if if because 
Air Baltic is the Airbus A220, and we're right. talking about A320 ramps. I wonder if they're the same suppliers for those parts, because, of course, listeners probably remember that the A220 was formerly the Bombardier C-Series. So I do wonder if we're talking about the same suppliers or if there are different suppliers for the 220 than for the 320. This I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm trying to get some clarity on that. But in the meantime, Air Baltic is um, going to ha- be offering a 737. So if you want to fly a 737 at Air Baltic, go uh, fly them this summer. Uh, We have a story online with some of the destinations, so it will be out there soon. One final note, though, what I also think is interesting in this sort of post-Soviet solidarity move on Latvia's part is that the UIA aircraft will operate in its own livery and the staff, the flight crew, will wear their own uniforms. So they're making a point of saying this is a Ukrainian aircraft. And Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Not something you often see in the uh, airline industry. Anyway, Madhu, it's always a pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for the Airline Weekly Lounge. Um, again, if you want to reach Madhu, you can get him at mu at skiff.com. You reach myself, Ned, or Edward Russell at er at skiff.com. Thank you again and have a good week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. And of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week. 